and the fact of actually being able to come out of your own skin to actually understand that of someone who's a minority. And it's tough to do at times because there is a power aspect in that, you know, where like not social economics, not um, family situations, none of that, just based off of how human beings think, there is a difference between a minority and someone that is white. You know, it's just something that the way that I would think too is just, it's just a difference. And it could be if you have a white person that's rich and a black person that's rich, there's still some aspect where it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, and the skin color, even though they're, you know, different skin color, that does change a lot of things. It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, pinch hitting for Clayton Kershaw and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Coach, welcome to today's show. I think it's going to be a fascinating one. We really sort of dive into a very niche topic. It's not going to apply to everybody, but I think it's going to apply to a lot of you, especially since this is a question that I get asked a lot when we do workshops on a campus or when we're working to develop a recruiting strategy and recruiting plan for a client, and and that is this. How do you recruit inner-city athletes to leave their inner city and come to play for you and compete for you at your small, suburban, mostly white school? That is a question that I think has stumped a lot of coaches who coach at those types of institutions and, and also affects the, the dynamics between a white coach and a black student athlete from time to time. And that's the topic that we're going to tackle today. And it, the conversation came about uh, with the individual that you heard at the top of the podcast, Miles Smith. Uh, coach Smith is going into his third year as the head men's basketball coach at Johnson State College in Vermont. And uh, I, I've been to the campus a couple of times over the years. Um, great relationship with the athletic director and the staff there. It's always fun to go back to places where you have friends and where you feel like uh, the work that you've done over the years has has made an impact. And that's the case with Johnson State. They've made a lot of good changes. And it's a challenging area to recruit in. Uh, it's a small school that is about a, an hour or so, hour and 20 minutes outside of Burlington, Vermont. It is in northern Vermont. Uh, in fact, they are changing the name from Johnson State College to Northern Vermont University. And that is no joke. It's north. I mean, you have to go to that school and to the campus. You're not going to just happen to, to drive by it. And I think most coaches at that uh, that type of an institution, and maybe we just described something similar to yours, where your school is small and and set out uh, out of the way. There's nothing really nearby it. How do you recruit athletes from the city to come to your campus? And I'll go one step further. Uh, how do you recruit black student athletes that mainly are coming in the in this case from the inner city? to take a risk and come to an area that is so completely different from what they've grown up in. Great educational opportunities, and sometimes it's a great change of pace for those athletes, but still you're talking about a seismic shift in the culture of a, a neighborhood and a campus, uh, the, the the sights, the sounds that they will see, and sometimes the lack of diversity on those campuses. What is 
the secret. So I was on the campus and having conversations with some of the coaches, and in my time with Miles Smith, who we're talking to today, uh, he told me sort of -of matter-of-factly that it's not a hard sell for him. Uh, Now, Coach Smith is black, and he's recruiting black athletes, and so you might say, well, he has an advantage there. Well, not necessarily, because these athletes still have to come to a very different setting where they are not necessarily going to uh, experience a lot of uh, diversity on campus. And and so and I know that is something that a lot of campuses struggle with, just the lack of diversity. And when uh, a black athlete comes to visit on a campus visit, sometimes coaches at a variety of schools, Division One, uh, down to again smaller schools like Johnson State College, complain privately, and they're frustrated that you know how do we show uh, uh, athletes that are coming from a completely different environment that they can belong here and that we want them and that they're going to feel comfortable here. And it's a hard sell sometimes. And so Coach Smith and I were talking, and and he was very confident in sort of the secrets that he has learned about recruiting um, specifically to that area. And, and so I asked if he would be willing to share it and we could have a conversation where he would give advice to you about the things that he's learned and the things in, in coming from a community uh, such as the one we're describing, that he is he, he's a little bit more in tune with the needs of of those athletes, their parents, and 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 how to make that transition smooth. And I think this also applies to you, you take a, a the the location of the athlete, take take the inner city part out of the equation. There's a, a quiet tension I think that I've seen and I've heard discussed around college athletics between white coaches and and black athletes, and how do we connect when we don't share the same cultural perspective that they do? And again, Coach Smith came in with such good advice, and that's the other part of this this podcast that I think you're going to love, uh, that it's just, this is about connecting with people, making and building relationships, and how do you do that? And how, how, frankly, do we get past our own preconceived myths and and maybe prejudices to to enable uh, ourselves to recruit an athlete that uh, really is going to contribute mightily to the program, but also just add to the overall fabric of the campus and the athletic department and your team. And so when I sat down with Coach Smith, he just had some great advice. Uh, he is uh, really, I think, very, very kind to share it. Uh, and I think you're going to get a lot out of today's uh, today's podcast. So uh, not a typical topic and certainly uh, on the surface, one that that a lot of people they don't talk about publicly, or they don't talk about with other coaches necessarily. It's sort of this quiet thing that once in a while gets discussed within the athletic department. And I just wanted to bring it to light because I get asked about it all the time. And so this is the situation we're talking with Coach Smith. And again, Johnson State College. It is uh, if you've never been to Vermont. Vermont is pretty white, and if you've never been to the campus of Johnson State, it's small and largely white and in a very small uh, Vermont town. And so it is not. It, it is probably going to be one of the more difficult places for a coach to recruit a black inner-city athlete uh, effectively, and yet Coach Smith has, has done it, and he keeps on doing it, and he's willing to share it today. So that's what we're talking about today, and we started the conversation with Coach Smith very simply, which is, why is it so difficult 
for a white coach to recruit a black student athlete? What is it that stands in the way? Uh, I think the first thing is, um, it's like, it's first the stereotype. So the stereotype is city kid, city area, rural kid, rural area. So those are the matches that you're gonna look at. And when the stereotype is already put in place, it already has a form of like, you know what, this is my perception of this. And, and for that to change, you have to put that individual in that setting to see if that stereotype is true mm-hmm. or if that stereotype is false. And then it's a completely different thing where, you know, a lot of people, the word culture shock, that could be a positive thing, you mm-hmm. know. So I think that's one of the biggest things is that I think the biggest thing is why coaches and student athletes look at it is that there's already a perception of where a kid should go and where it should be based off. Like, you know, I'm here in, in Vermont and coaches are like, well, how do you get kids to come up to Vermont from the city? Or it's like, no, I can recruit a kid from the city. Like, we're in Little Bitty of Vermont. We're like, I think the opposite. Because we're in Little Bitty Vermont, that's why you wow. recruit a kid from yeah. the city to be there. Because it's the complete opposite of what they're used to. Okay, so the culture shock thing, what what are the positives? You mentioned, like, that could be a positive. Yeah. So. Give me some examples or the coaches some examples of kids from an inner city background Mm -hmm. where culture shock positively going to a smaller school, going to an out of the area school. What walk us through why what's the culture shock there? Well, the first thing is pace. So if you're in a city, no matter if it's New York, Philadelphia, DC, uh, Maryland, if you're in a city, everything is quick fast moving at moving really fast moving at different types of speed you're doing different types of things right. when you're going to a rural area everything is like a turtle <laughs> you're, you're, you're basically moving right. at one steady speed and it's really like you know i gotta get from one thing to another but i'm gonna take my time in doing it um and in that process what i do is i teach in those rural settings where things are like not as fast paced, you technically could be more efficient with your time hmm. by being in that setting. So it's sort of like, you know, it can be from anything. It can be from how do I multitask? Well, I can multitask by having 20 things and it's done like over the course of five months, or I can multitask by having 20 things and I get it done within a week. Right. Just, by the, just by that area, it puts that student in a different atmosphere than they're used to. So. Not all the time, but from what I've learned from recruiting, most of the time when you take one student from one culture and you immerse them into another culture, they basically form a subculture. So it allows them to take a little bit of their culture, mm. they absorb the culture that they're in, and they turn into like this new human being that yeah. they never thought that they were beforehand. Right. So. so walk me back to the beginning when you first started coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did did you have this philosophy right from the start, or was it sort of observational and you learned like, oh wow, I can get kids here? Or kind of what was the evolution of how you approached that? I think uh, the biggest thing it actually went for me playing. Um, I played here, I played at Johnson State, but I went to high school and community college in Philadelphia and New Jersey. So I was always a big fan of like different cultures, different societies, and stuff like that. So for me. Um, I always wanted to see how that looked when you put a different group of individuals together. Like, how would that be able to mesh? 
And then when I got into coaching, I coached underneath a guy that played at Princeton. And everything that they use is like you have to work in conjunction with one another. Mm -hmm. So just based off of like my mindset and how society is, I always felt like, well, if you can get individuals from different cultures and then find a way for them to come together and work at the same thing but be totally different, that's like the one one of the most beautiful things yeah. that for me to see. Like other coaches might be like, that sounds ridiculous. Right. It's about winning and strategies. But for me it's like that's amazing because now that individual just learned a different type of reality rather than the reality that they have. Right. So Okay. So at, at as you were starting this and that was your mindset as a player that doesn't sound like the typical 17-year-old kid mindset, which is probably why you went to Princeton. So when now you're talking to inner-city kids who are okay uh, okay students, very good athletes maybe, I'm just wondering, do you have to sort of bring them along to that line of thinking? Or for the coach that's listening to this and they're thinking, well, gosh, I'm a, I'm a white coach at a small school I don't have the same background as right. Miles does. How do I do that? I guess I'm just wondering, like, how much, how, how much that? coaching? What's the conversation like yeah. when you walk into that house or you're talking to that family, that athlete, his right. mom, his dad, and now you're sort of having to, I guess, sell them on the idea of, right. of doing this. So maybe just, walk yeah, yeah. Mindset. Like, what what is that like? And and do you feel like the mindset is easy yeah. to change, hard to change? For me, you would think that it's hard to change, but from the group of guys that I've had, the mindset technically, my selling point of Johnson is a lot easier than what people would think. Mm -hmm. Because what I'm doing is that I'm taking kids from inner cities, and from those inner cities, it, it could be two family homes, but majority right. of the time, there's a single parent home. Um, this student is a first generation college student, so this process is completely new. And some of the times when you have a situation that way, the aspect of taking your child and putting them in an area where the coach is saying that this area has it's, it's less distractions, more peaceful, and the majority of the situations that I have, parents and student athletes are trying to get out of those situations mm -hmm. and leave those areas. So when you tell them about small Vermont and these are the things that can impact you. So when you talk about the location, Location can mean something to anybody, sure. but when you're telling an inner city kid you're going to be at the top of a hill around all mountains, but it's always green and it's always snowing, but when right. it's not snowing, it looks so beautiful. Some of those say, some of those things that those kids see, they've never seen before. Right. So it's sort of like, wow, this is another part of reality that I've never been exposed to for 17 and 18 years. <laughs> and then you add that with you know, we are a liberal arts school. It's probably a lot more liberals than conservatives in the area, which fits that mold because now the people that are more liberal, their mindsets and viewpoints aren't strictly directed on, you know what, this is a stereotype of this person. This is a stereotype of this person. It more so goes to like, in my perspective, most people that are liberal, they have some type of understanding or trying to understand a specific individual. So now being an African-American or minority male coming into basically a predominantly white area, you don't have that stereotype of like, in all honesty, well, this is a stereotype of what a white person is. Right. There's an aspect of like, I have that, but then the way that they treat me here, I've never experienced that from someone that was white. 
Right. And a lot of the kids that I have, it's like, man, this is probably the, the one of the most peaceful areas that I've ever been in. Right. And not off of like research that's driven off other institutions, but from my own research with my teams, mm-hmm. when you can take a kid from an inner city, go to school at Johnson State for four years, and then still come back and visit or move to this area, that's a success. Right. Because not only have they got a degree, they're graduating on a dean's list, they're getting job opportunities, and they're loving the area they, that they're in, but it also allows them to be adapted to different individuals when they go into the working right. world. So now you can go to a company that is owned by a minority person, but you can also go to a company that's owned by someone that's not a minority and understand the different languages and the different ways of thinking and doing things in that way. So right. they're getting more than just college athletics. They're getting a way to like, you know what, this is another piece of reality that I've never seen before that I can now utilize when I go to go into the working right. world. Right. So it's, uh, you talked a lot about in that description that you just gave about almost the perspective that these athletes uh, and prospects have this perception of the outside world, maybe the, you know, the, the white world yeah. uh, outside of that inner city that is not that they see wasn't correct or that that was um while they 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 see that it may work a little differently than they thought um what do you see from reversing it for uh the coach at a college it's a white coach that once would love to come in and recruit and and have as a part of the fabric of their team inner city kids or maybe just more diversity Mm -hmm. so many coaches at college campuses and athletic departments want more diversity uh racial diversity in their on their teams in their athletic departments but there's something keeping that coach from going into those communities so what what stereotypes would you want to maybe (laughs) you know chop down a little bit Mm. um that where the the for, for the coach looking at that community what what should he or she really understand about what the priorities are for that family that you just described um i actually it was something on social media that greg popovich posted um it was an interview that he did and they asked him about everything that's going on in the world and you know the president and all that thing and stuff i'm not a political guy at all but sure. uh, he talked about you know the fact of being able to he talked about whiteness Mm-hmm. And the fact of actually being able to come out of your own skin to actually understand that of someone who's a minority. And it's tough to do at times because there is a power aspect in that, you know, where like not social economics, not um, family situations, none of that, just based off of how human beings think, there is a difference between a minority and someone that is white. You know, it's just something that the way that I would think, too, is just, it's just a difference. And it could be if you have a white person that's rich and a black person that's rich. There's still some aspect where it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, and the skin color, even though they're, you know, different skin color, that does change a lot of things. Right. So I think, you know, my my example would be, you know, from, from reversing that perspective, there's two coaches that I know right now that I'm good friends with that... If they were at Johnson State, they would either be doing the same thing I'm doing or even doing it even better. And that's Casey Stencil at Millersville University, which is Division II. Um, but he did it at DelVal for numerous years. Um, uh, conference championships, NCAA tournaments. 
And then the next person who's actually right in our backyard is Dan Engelstan over at uh, Southern Vermont College, um, where he's won NECC championships and went to the NCAA tournament. But they, they've done it. And some of my theories and thought process have actually come from Casey Stencil, hmm. where they've done it with not looking at the color of your skin, not looking at anything like that, but really focusing on no matter where the individual is that's going to fit and have the intangibles that we need, that's where I'm going to find it. Mm-hmm. And if that means that I have to go into inner city Virginia or any city Philadelphia or inner city D.C. or inner city Maryland to get that kid, then that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to make sure that I am putting them in the best position, best position no matter if they're black or white. Right. And... You, you we look at it Johnson and we're like man we we've been able to bring in some inner city kids I mean if you've seen Southern Vermont's roster and you look at the players that they have you know that's only Dan's recruiting yeah. that they're there you know and I talk to him all the time like he's getting really good basketball players from Maryland and New York and and he's doing a great job at coaching those guys and helping those guys graduate so other coaches that are listening to this at at other small schools that aren't doing it. Right. And I'm just listening to you talk, and I'm the I, what's sort of coming to my mind is they there's something that is stopping them from saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do that. I'm gonna yeah. As opposed, and, and so what maybe the safer fallback version is, I just can't recruit there because our campus looks so different than the communities that they're yeah. from. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's almost that... that that uh, irrational, yeah. fake excuse <laughs> that you're making if yeah. you're a coach. That's what I hear you saying. Is that, yeah. am I hearing that right? Yeah, it's sort of like we talked the other day. It's sort of like, what's everyone's pitch? Small class sizes, you know, areas <laughs> right. safe. It's the same thing. It's, it's a pitch that, you All know, the colleges basically say the same thing. Every college thing. says the same thing. Oh, I can't recruit this kid because, you know what? He's from Philadelphia. He yeah. doesn't have the grades. Right. Well, that's incorrect. Or he's from D.C. Well, he doesn't have the grades. Or financially, or he can't afford it. he's from that neighborhood, so he must not have the grades. He must not like, have the grades. Or, like, you know what? He financially can't afford it. Or, like, why would he want to come up to Vermont when he has all of this in the city? Right. When, in my mind, I'm like, I always believe that, and most, I think most great coaches think like this. Um, I'm not saying that I'm a great coach, but yeah. If you're put in an uncomfortable situation and you're figuring out a way to thrive in that situation right. and turn that into a comfortability, then you're based putting yourself in a better opportunity to succeed in life. If you're continuing to stay in a comfort zone, and even though that comfort zone is working for you and you're not trying to learn every single day, right. then you're not benefiting in life. And I think what happens is, is that it's comfortable. Right. It's uncomfortable to go into a in inner city because of the stereotypes that you might have. Mm-hmm. Well, I might not want to go down that street because I'm going to get shot. That's not always the case. Right. You know what I mean? Like Philadelphia or D.C. or Maryland, you know, it's sort of like when we look at the media. You know, if you look at the media right now, it's a portrait of black people hate white people, white people have black right. people. Well, that's a false consumption right. of majority of the world. Right. It's, it's just a small... Zero, 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 one right. percent. But that's what the media is going to show. So right. if you show, like, if I'm going down to Philadelphia, I'm from 23rd and Berks and around 23rd and Diamond. And in that area, if you look at it, is known as the area with people that are just killing each other. Mm-hmm. But there's so many, just in those three blocks, so many intelligent individuals right. that that 
didn't have that opportunity that I was one of those, but I got an opportunity, right? And I made the best out of it, right? So a lot of our kids, just because of the stereotype of where they are, it's like, why would I want to drive down that street, go to that kid's house, and meet with that kid, when like I don't even know if I'm going to come out alive, right? But that's just a false assumption based off of what we paint, sure, in our world, rather than saying like, you know what, that kid has something that no other coach sees. So no matter if I'm a black coach or a white coach, I want that right. kid. And I'll go back to something you said right at the very start that that sometimes the that um, you know the aspect of it being quiet or being mm-hmm. small, whereas you know again a coach that's maybe coached that school for ten years or went to a small school has always been in a rural area. Yeah is thinking, well, nobody would want to come here because, you know, I'm sort of bored. I've, I've run out of things to do. Why would they come? They're in Philadelphia or they're in right. New Jersey or New York or wherever it is. And what I just heard you say was that uh, that in maybe just to give coaches in that position a little bit of a, a sense, going back to the inner city community, that they look at it and say, well, it's safe. It's quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there isn't the the noise, the distraction, and everything. Can you just talk a little bit more about that, just to yeah. again understand? You know, talking to the coach that has been at the small school for mm-hmm. forever, and and right, you know, again has sort of developed you know his own or her own stereotypes about right. what somebody from a city would want, right? Because it's different. And that's the thing. It, it, it's not like it's 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 with anything. Like not every kid from the city is gonna be like, yeah, I'm coming to Vermont. Right. Like that's not a thing. But what you'll you mean get, you don't get every recruit you go after? <laughs> no, you no, don't. No. Oh, okay. So what you'll get most of the time is is that you reverse that. So if you think about it, if I'm a coach for ten years that's been in a rural area and I'm just being bored, just think about the opposite of that. If I am a kid or a coach that's in the city and it's always fast-paced, I never have enough time. Right. So now you take that aspect and say, you know what? Hey, kid, there's an opportunity for where you can actually, if there's nothing else to do, you can relax. Right. Whereas though if there's nothing else to do, you can always go outside, you can always go to this, you can always go to that, you can always do these things, where sometimes, in reality, you need time just for your mind to relax. Yeah. And... If there's someone who's 17 years old who's never had an opportunity for their mind just to relax and be quiet, mm-hmm. the first time they get that chance, it's like I've never experienced this before. Right. And it's only the quietness, you know, and only the times where most people that have been in this, you know, in this boring area that's like, <laughs> there's nothing ever to do. Well, just imagine growing up in a city and like you got cars moving. You know, sirens, sirens horns. horns, 12 o'clock at night, 1 o'clock at night. Everything is going on. There always is a noise. You might hear gunshot. Anything right. might happen. Somebody screaming, parents yelling. All of that's going on from the age of, from the time that you're born to the time that you're 17 or 18 years old. Right. And you come into somewhere like Vermont and you can do basketball, you can do academics, you can go to study halls. You can go to the library, and then at the end of the day, if you want, and you just want to relax, even if you don't want to be in your room, you just want to come sit out on a step or lay in the grass where it's no dog poop or nothing, <laughs> no no yeah. trash or nothing laying yeah. around. You could just sit there and lay back and just say to yourself, like, you know, 
players might say in the beginning, like if you were in a city and you're like, hey, bro, you want to like sit in the grass and look at the stars? You'd be like, is something wrong with you? Like, what's wrong with you? But yeah. if you're by yourself and you're just relaxing and you sit back and you look up at the sky and you see a million stars like they were like right in front of you and you've never seen that before, that's an amazing feeling yeah. to have. Okay, so you're describing that and I'm just wondering for you going in and that's part of the story maybe that you tell or that certainly your players could tell now but as you're describing that to a 17 year old kid do they get it do they i mean do you see like a reaction Mm -hmm. to like that picture you're painting about what it's like in vermont and have you ever thought about having quiet like i'm just wondering like what's the impact that you've seen when you when you talk about that you what i do is i explain it and then the only way for a kid for you to actually sell it is for the kid to experience it. Right. So if I explain it and paint that picture, there's nothing that is involved around basketball. There's nothing that's involved around academics right now. Everything that I've just painted is revolved around that individual seeing something from a different lens that they've never seen before. Right. And when they come on a visit, when they meet other players that are minorities and they're saying the same exact thing that the coach said, and they're seeing this firsthand, now it's like, wow, this is actually true. Right. And it's sort of like I had a kid that 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 graduated from here, and I had another kid I think I talked to that transferred out. And whether you graduated or you transferred, the one thing that I always hear from every kid is that it's just something about Johnson State that you're always going to miss it right. whenever you're gone. And and for those kids, is that aspect. Because once you leave, if you go back to the city, that opportunity to go over and look at the stars aren't there. <laughs> right. You know, that opportunity to have that moment of silence isn't there. Right. That opportunity to walk across the street and know that no matter not because of the color of your skin, but the fact that every individual will speak to you. Right. That not because of the color of the skin your skin, the door is held for you. Right. So I want to say, excuse me. Everyone is so polite and nice. When you lose that, it's sort of like you, you're for them. They're finding to figure out why, why, why am I missing Johnson so much? Right. Well, it's all the intangibles. Right. It's and, it might not be, and it might not be Johnson. It could be a small school be, anywhere. It yes. could be just that. It's more of you're describing <clears throat> the setting. Yeah. And you're describing the way that that. You know, a smaller campus yeah. operates mm-hmm. much of the time versus big city a or big, a larger a campus. Larger campus right. So, give me the three biggest, in your opinion, misconceptions that a small school coach and or white coach mm-hmm. at a small school has about kids, families, and the inner city that is preventing them from being successful recruiting those families. What are the misconceptions, in other words, that those coaches at those schools have that, that you know, maybe if they understood that they were wrong about something, could actually say, okay, now I'm, I'm going to go and, and recruit that, that, right. that area? I would say the three things, and this is not from like, I, I don't want to bash any coach or anything like no, that, no. but it's like from what I hear, the first aspect, the stereotype of that kid has already a bad attitude. Hmm. The character is bad. Because of where they grew because up. Because of where they grew up. So the character is bad. The school that they're at, the kid already has a bad attitude. Even if the kid has like a 3'6", three, 3'7", three, mm-hmm. the kid has a bad attitude. You know, Not from talking to the coach, but just knowing that area, that person. Right. 
don't want to do it. Just blanket right. statement. That's, right. That's, or that whole if thing. they had a kid from that same area that had a bad attitude, every player should be like that kid from that area that had a bad attitude. Right. So I think that's one. The next thing, that, which I think is a false con- conception, is academically they won't be there. Like if I'm at a top academic school and I'm in a rural area, it's very difficult for me to think that I'm going to get a kid from the city because academically he won't be able to connect right. with the students that we have here because my students are this type of individuals and my and and, and he's this type of individual where like that's that sometimes that might work for coaches mm-hmm. you know where I'm more of like I want all personalities other coaches might just want a set personality right. so like you can't blame them for that and the other thing is like a toss up between they can't afford it or the area those are the things they can't afford it or the area the area is if you're from the city why would you want to come to a small town right if you're from a small town of course you would want to go to a city right. so it's like the city is painting this big picture of like this is the amazement but like the small town small school setting it's it's sort of like you know that's the backup like you right. want to do that a little bit later right. that's not a big issue so okay. those are the three things that okay. i would say so if i'm a coach listening to this and i say you know what i've, I've i'm turned around on this idea i really should take a closer look what would be your advice of how do you get started if you've never done that before what would be the first way so here i am as a white coach at a small school and I want to go to my nearest big city metro area and recruit more of the inner city kids to get the diversity that I've always said I wanted yeah. at the school once. Yeah. What are the first couple of things you would say, look, here, here's how you should start or here's what you should understand going in and, and maybe, you know, if it's a different type of approach or mm-hmm. what are the, the steps that might be different or that are needed? It's, it's interesting. It's sort of like uh, stuff that everyone says all the time, but like honesty is huge mm-hmm. and probably bigger than honesty one of the most biggest things what i've experienced and i think other coaches who've done this will see for inner city kids there has to be a hundred and ten percent loyalty and that doesn't mean from the coach from you're the saying, coach okay. demonstrating demonstrating that to the student athlete okay. and that doesn't mean playing time or like you know you know yelling or screaming all of that stuff goes out of the window i mean loyalty as far as the communication that you're having so loyalty as far as is he connected off campus academically right are you following up with him not only loyalty for the student athletes but the parents have to feel that you're loyal to their kids as well because most of the time in these inner city areas there's been a lot of disloyal and a lot of non non people that are honest so it's sort of like they have this 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 uh wall up mm-hmm. and in order to break that wall you have to earn that trust and loyalty and honesty and you can say that for any kid right but i think for what i'm experienced that's the biggest thing you can't go in there and sell well you might not want to go to us because we're a small town like you have to sell the positives of the right. school maybe it's like hey listen because we're a small town this might be a better right. fit for What would be a demonst- like a small act of sort of demonstrating honesty okay. to, or, or commitment to that kid? Like what, how, how do I do that on the first visit or first phone call or when I first contact as a coach? So the biggest thing for me is like I'll have a kid on a visit and, and the first thing I always get was like, man, these people are really nice. And what I'll say to that is that that's the aspect that you can get here is not only the people that are nice, but I guarantee you that you'll find peace. 
Mm. You'll be able to think. You'll be able to think to yourself. And, and you really, what you do is, you probably, whether you were a leader or you were a follower, while you're here, you get, you be able, you'll be able to form your identity of who you are. So there's never an opportunity where you have to be this guy, this macho guy, this right. you know, this you know, prideful guy. You're actually dropping all of the aspects of your life that you've had. And I just want you to wake up every day and be you. The only thing I ask is that you go to class and come to practice. <laughs> right. Like that's the right. biggest thing and show up. But everything else, right. just be yourself. There's never gonna be any pressure for you to be someone else. Mm-hmm. The only pressure that you might have is like, man, they keep asking me about my culture. So, right. like, I'm excited to talk about it a little bit. Right. You know what I mean? So, other than that, you have the opportunity to just be who you are. And, you know, that's on or off the basketball court. But at the same time, look at the environment. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen anything like this before? <laughs> like, if you look to your right, when was the last time you saw mountains right. like that? Coach, this is a beautiful place. I'm not even gonna lie. Like I can't. I've never seen anything like this before. This is more mountains than I've seen in my life. <laughs> right. The only time I saw this was on a portrait on a wall. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's and again, like, it's a perspective because yeah. if you're a coach at a small school and you've done a lot of traveling, you've been to a lot of places. You may not. Yeah. You've stopped appreciating that, but yep. you have to remember again for inner city Maybe. kid yeah. may have not done a lot of stuff outside of the city. Yeah, this is new. So. Yeah. And I kind of got you off track because uh, you were talking about the first things that a coach should do as they as they get into um, uh, get into to contacting or talking yeah, yeah. to inner city recruits. And you mentioned show honesty and be show the commitment. What yeah. else? Uh, show the honesty, commitment, uh, loyalty, um, and really just feedback. You know, it, it's sort of like um, certain coaches take players in as players, and this is what we're going to use. Where like I always feel like great coaches take players in as student athletes who I can mentor and be even if you have a father, another father figure for you. Mm-hmm. And that is huge because for my guys, majority of the guys that I have, they don't have dads. Right. So since their dads aren't around, it gives basically I'm more than just a head coach. Right. I am the blanket that, you know, when something is really going on, they can talk to me. They can talk to me about personal stuff. They can talk to me about those type of things, you know, whereas though sometimes coaches don't want to do that. What what you said was really important, just that so often coaches look at talent on the court or talent yeah. on the field or in the pool or in the track or whatever it is and say, well, I want that talent mm-hmm. to come in in the form of that person and plug this hole in my team. Just make it work. <laughs> and, and what I hear you saying is that it's really important for that for that family, that athlete to hear that you're not just looking at them as athletic talent, right. but as a person, and you're going to come in here and and, and, thrive, as an and thrive, and I'm going to help you and do you, that. The only way for it to work that way is that you have to recruit. Like, I can't get a kid. Like, all, all the kids that I recruited from the inner city that I actually recruited, it was multiple c- conversations with them. Like, I actually had to learn about that individual. Right. Like, I really didn't have... There wasn't a two-step process to find out about them personally. After I talked about the school, like, hey, how's your mom doing? How's dad doing? Like, what, what things are you doing? Like, how's classes going right here? Yeah, you did this today? Oh, what do you need? What do you, you think you might need help with that? So it's more like I need a personal connection with each and every individual. And some coaches are against that because you can get too 
personal with the kid and if they do something wrong it's like oh, it's hard man. to discipline the right right it's hard to yeah but for me it's like i want to build that personal connection because i'm not even worried about the basketball court the wins and losses I already tell my guys when you're gone those wins and losses you can just throw that away but the relationships that you build with every last player is phenomenal like what if you're a white kid on a team that has been a lot around a lot of racism but now he's meeting this kid from the inner city and his stereotype of what this kid looks like is completely different right the same thing with that black kid meeting with that white kid their stereotypes become different and a beauty for me now they're best friends right now one and another just have each other as weddings now there's a god dad involved right. that's a white guy and a black guy and for me that's the most beautiful thing to see is something like right. that and to say that hey listen my team is built of like inner city kids vermont kids and some kids from florida but just by saying inner city and vermont you got two different cultures right there <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. so it's like my guys that are from the inner city they're loud extreme my guys that are from vermont they're like really quiet like these guys talk <laughs> trash and i'm like hey hey hey, hey the guys are the white the guys like yo you gotta, you gotta talk some trash too and they're like coach I don't know how to do that. <laughs> so it's like now they're teaching them how to talk trash. But then it's like, hey, guys, we can't talk trash. Now right. they're teaching them, okay, right. how can I be mentally tough without using those aspects? Right. So yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things is those cultures combining. Right. Now it's, it's, it's not just a win for inner city kids, but it's also a win for kids that are from Vermont or from rural areas. You now are immersed and right. you're also in a subculture. Right. Without even noticing it, you're in. You're, I mean, you're in a culture shock, and you're now forming another subculture based off of that. Right. So, so last question I have, and it's an easy one. Yeah. What's the fix for all of the racial tension, mm-hmm. not only in our country, but just zero it down to college athletics and on a campus um, between a coach and a recruit, or the stereotypes that a coach mm-hmm. that you've just talked about a little bit ago? that brings in, well, I don't want to recruit those kids from that neighborhood because X, or from the inner city kids, why would I go to, go to a, that place that, that, that you know, I, they're not going to be around, you know, my friend or the people, the, the culture and the, the color of the people that I'm used to. How, how do we solve that? Like, what's the, the go thing. solve, solve racial reconciliation here in the next 30 seconds, please. I Miles. am not a college football fanatic, mm-hmm. but I heard something by the Clemson's, uh, Clemson Tides. Uh, I mean, I don't even know what the name is. The Clemson, Tigers, yeah, yeah, Clemson Tigers, their head coach, head football coach. Mm-hmm. I think they're like number two in the country right now. Mm-hmm. He said something in his speech, which I'm like, man, this sounds like if I was on stage, I would be the same person. <laughs> Greatest leader of all time for me, Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, because of the way he handled things, um, and only because it also comes from a separation of my beliefs and Jesus Christ. Right. So in, in my mind, like there is no, I believe that sin exists throughout the whole world. So racism can't be unified. It's not something that can be a fix. As long as we got media and technology, technology is a positive and a negative. Right. It's a positive because now we have <laughs> iPhones that we can use, but it's a negative because negativity feeds the world. Sure. If we talked about all the positive things that happen in the world, no one would care. Right. You know, but if we talk about the negatives, it gives more people a chance to continue to argue and see who's better because that's how our world is made up. But if there is an opportunity where the small people, so not 
politicalness or anything like that, like the the right. government or stuff, but like small town schools, mm-hmm. going into major schools, going into secular environments right. where unity is more or even just those two thing. players on the team that you described earlier. Yes, that for me it's sort of like not everyone in this world is going to believe in Jesus Christ, but if there was one individual that I talked to that came to know Christ, I've accomplished something. So for me, not everyone in this world are going to be able to see white and black people are good people. But if you can change one African-American to feel equal to one white person and one white person to feel the struggle or the connection to that African-American person, you've accomplished something. And that's for me, that's how you would change that. Is just imagine out of every human being on this world, if everyone focused on changing one heart of an individual that had a negative perspective, then we probably would be in a better place. But then the scary thing is, there's a stereotype. Do I really want to take the chance on trying to change this individual? Because then that means I might have to be uncomfortable in order for that individual to change. You know, everyone's like, oh, Donald Trump, you know, he's done. You feed that if you combat it with anger rather than saying like, you know what? I understand your opinion. I can completely see where you might be coming from. I can't feel that, but I can see that. There's another side that, that I might have. It's that communication aspect where it's like, it's not like if you're someone that's like very powerful, you don't want to feel threatened. Right. You want to feel like you're still in power. <laughs> right. So if you combat that with something positive, not in front of everyone else, but later on, when you're by yourself, when you're with your wife, or when you're just thinking in your mind, you start to think about, well, why was that individual's reaction completely different than what I'm used to doing? Right. Because I it couldn't... didn't fit my stereotype. Right. I couldn't argue with that. I couldn't find a way to make myself feel pumped up. Right. I just had to say, that's great. And I might have said something, but like... Why did that person do that? I wonder why. So I'm, I want to find out why he did that. And then when it comes back, throw more positivity. You know, we talk about love and unity and peace. But if we continue to keep fighting the battle that we can't win, then it's difficult than actually really showing love, unity, and peace. You can, you can say it, but if your actions don't speak that way, how can anyone change it? Well, Coach, that's going to wrap up today's conversation here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. We want to thank Coach Miles Smith for offering up his opinion and his insights on a somewhat sensitive topic, especially at this point in time in our country's history and all of the the protests and discussion going on. Uh, We felt it was prudent to kind of open this topic up among coaches. And again, hopefully you found it helpful and enlightening and will help sort of stretch your thinking on how you can recruit uh, black student-athletes better. And and more than that, how do you make a connection culturally, racially, and and sort of cross those boundaries that, uh, boy, have a lot of of America up in arms and disagreeing with each other? How do we come together? I really appreciate Coach Smith's perspective and his willingness to talk about it. Uh, His contact information will be in the show notes, so you can go to that if you want to say hi, say thanks. I'm sure he would appreciate that just, again, for being willing to talk about this topic. Uh, 
for our, from our standpoint, if uh, you have questions about recruiting, we are always here to answer those. You can contact me, Dan, at dantutor.com. That's my email address. Uh, on the website at dantutor.com, a lot of free resources from, boy, how to stage campus visits correctly to phone calls, talking to parents, talking about money. I mean, there's just a wealth of free information that we put together for college coaches, and we want you to access that. Uh, if you are interested in bringing us to campus to talk with your university and your athletic department, you can ask about that uh, via email or you can go to the Campus Workshop tab on the website. And we also have a great client program, as many of you know, where we will work one-on-one with you and your coaching staff to develop not only a unique recruiting strategy, but then the messaging to go along with that strategy that is effective. And you can go to the Total Recruiting Solution tab on our website for that. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate everybody listening. We encourage you to tell your fellow coaches to subscribe, leave a review on your your podcast download site that you use, like iTunes or Google or Stitcher. We love to, to, to have you as listeners give feedback to everybody else who's thinking about listening. But that's going to do it for today. We thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with another edition of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. As each of us recalls, ivy-covered professors in ivy-covered halls. Turn on the spigot, pour the beer and swig it, and Gaudiamus get a tour. Here's two parties we tossed, to the games that we lost, we shall claim that we won them someday. To the girls, young and sweet, to the spacious back seat of our roommates, beat up Chevrolet. To the beer and Benzedrine, to the way that the Dean tried so hard to be pals with us all. To excuses we fibbed, to the papers we cribbed, from the genius who lived down the hall. To the tables down at Maury's, wherever that may be. Let us drink a toast to all we love the best. We will sleep through all the lectures and cheat on the exams and we'll pass and be forgotten with the rest. Oh, soon we'll be out amid the cold world's strife. Soon we'll be sliding down the razor blade of life. Ooh. But as we go our sordid separate ways, we shall ne'er forget thee, thou golden college days. Hearts full of youth, hearts full of truth, six parts gin to one part vermouth.